Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and it can be found on page 983 of your pew Bible. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in a divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness into goodness, knowledge, into knowledge, self-control, into self-control, perseverance, into perseverance, godliness, into godliness, mutual affection, into mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Roy. Lord, As we come now to this passage of scripture, um, help us to understand it, help us to see what is here, and um, more importantly, may we take it into our lives and do what this says. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple years ago, I saw an article uh, with the headline, Car Parked in Same Parking Space for 47 Years. And the article explained that the car's owner, a Mr. Angelo Frigolent in Italy, age 94, parked his car outside his newsstand one day in 1974 and never moved it since. Uh, And in 2021, it finally got moved by the local police when some road work was being done. 47 years in the same spot. Um, Sometimes in the Christian life, we can feel stuck like we're just in the same place for a long time instead of moving on the journey as we were designed to do. Um, And I want to talk about that this morning. The last couple weeks, I've been talking about these things that we we need in the Christian life to be unstuck or to be healthy. The the first thing was curiosity. Um, The second thing I talked about last week was living within our limits, not overextending ourselves. And now finally this week, before we get back into Exodus next Sunday, this week we're talking about the fact that the Christian life takes work, takes effort. It's been said that God's word comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. And so the last couple weeks have been more on the comfort side, and this Sunday will be more of the encouragement and exhortation and maybe a little affliction. But I know that it's a sermon I need. It's a sermon that I need to hear, so I'm going to preach it to you. 
So please open your Bibles to the book of 2 Peter. It's right near the end. It's only a few pages long. So if you are in Hebrews, it go a little further. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. 2 Peter. I forgot to see what page that was on in the Pew Bible. 983 in the Brown Pew Bibles. The book of 2 Peter is this, this little letter written um, to combat a, an emergency of false teaching in the church. Um, apparently, from what we can tell from this and the letter of Jude, there were teachers who were saying things like, um, you don't need a changed life to follow Jesus. You just need the right knowledge. If you have the right understanding, that's what counts. And that same false teaching perpetuates today, doesn't it? If you just believe the right facts about Jesus, or if you just say the right words about Jesus, they say, that's all you need. It doesn't matter really how you live. It doesn't really matter if you're changing and growing into Christ's likeness. That's kind of extra. Just say the words, believe the ideas, and you're saved. And you're good. Um, there were some other features of this false teaching that, that were unique to them, but um, the fact is today we make lots of excuses for not working in the Christian life. Um, for some, uh, and I've been in all these places, we say, I've tried to change, but I can't. It's too hard. I just don't have what it takes. So we settle for just coasting along. Other people say, have a theological argument that says, well, if we try too hard, that would be negating God's grace, and we can't do that. We can't earn our salvation, so we're just not going to try that hard. And finally, there are those who say, what difference does it make? If I'm saved, why do I have to change? So we have these different excuses for just staying stuck and, and not changing. And I've been in all three of those places. And what I want you to see in this passage is that spiritual growth is necessary and it takes deliberate effort. But the good news is that God's grace empowers us and is with us the whole way. We can't talk about every detail of this passage in 2 Peter, but I want to draw out three things that it says to us. Number one, you can change. Number two, you must change. And number three, you'll be glad you did. You can, you must, and you'll be glad you did. So let's look first at verses 3 and 4. Have you ever said this to yourself? Um, I know that God wants me to grow. I know I should, but I tried it a few times and I couldn't do it, <laughs> right? It's just too hard. I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. I'm stuck in the same old sins. I've been there. Well, if you ever think that way like I have, then we need to hear what Peter says in verses 3 and 4. Look. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises 
so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I want you to to see this very clearly. Where does it say that the power for change comes from? Is it from ourselves? No. His divine power, the Holy Spirit. And, and how much do we get? How much help does he give us? A little or a supplement or a part of the way? It says everything we need. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Change is possible. It's not only possible, but if we make good on God's promises and power, it's inevitable. We say, I can't do it, but God says, with my power, you can do it, and you will do it. Imagine that you have to make a cross-country road trip, but you have a 1991 Dodge Dart. Uh, It's falling apart. Um, You have no gas. You have no money. Um, You don't have money for hotels or food. That trip would seem impossible to you. Right? You don't have what it takes. But what if someone comes and says, here, I'm going to give you my brand new truck. I'm going to fill the tank with gas. I'm going to give you a Visa card for gas and hotels and food along the way. Now suddenly that trip doesn't seem so impossible, does it? Because you have been given what it takes to do what you have to do. That's what God has done for us. We don't have what it takes. I can't summon up the willpower to to change to be like Jesus. Sometimes I feel like a 1991 Dodge Dart. You know what I'm saying? I don't have what it takes, but God has given us what it takes. Change is possible. You can change. So if there, well... Look at these verses again. Look at what he's given us. His divine power. um, His call in our lives, which produces what it asks. Um, Very great and precious promises. The chance to participate in the divine nature. And finally, an escape from the corruption of the world. We are no longer shackled to evil desires. Because God has done all that, Um, as we trust in Jesus, we can change. We can. So if there's an area of your Christian life, let me just say your life, because our whole life is about following God. If there's an area of your life where you feel stuck or in the same cycle you can't get out of, or if there's a sin that's strangling you, remember this. You have access to God's divine power. You have everything you need to change. You can change. I can change. Well, next we'll talk about how that can happen. Number two, you must work to change. You must change. So yes, we have this divine power. We have this power source hooked up to our lives if we believe in Jesus. But... What does a power source do? It produces work. It spins the motor. It turns the wheel. And it takes 
work on our part to use that power. <clears throat> Look at what Peter says in verses 5 through 9 about how we must change. For this very reason, what reason is that? That God has already given us everything we need. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Um, so for Peter, spiritual growth takes effort. He says, make every effort. And I want to make two main comments about this section. First, it is a lie that grace and effort are opposed or enemies. As Dallas Willard has said, and I've shared this before, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. We know that we can't earn God's favor. We can't earn God's salvation with effort. But grace, we can spend the, the grace God's given us and expend effort as we follow him. Act on it. Here's the second thing I want to say. Change doesn't happen all at once. Sometimes I think we have this mindset that we're just waiting for the day when God will zap us and make us into a mature Christian. Like, okay, God, any day now I'm ready. Boom. All your problems are solved. All your sins are erased. All your struggles are gone. This side of heaven that doesn't work that way. Um, change is progressive. It's incremental. You know, we, we have been, been through a huge change in believing in Jesus. We've gone from death to life, from death to new birth. That's a big change that happens at once. But our sanctification, our process of becoming like Jesus is progressive. It's incremental, step by step by step. Look back at this list of qualities that Peter urges us to cultivate. It starts with faith. Make every effort to add to your faith uh, because you can't do any of this without faith in Jesus. You know, you, uh, a good secular moral person can adopt a lot of these behaviors, but without faith in Jesus, it won't be soul transformation. So it starts with faith, and what does it end with? Love. That's that agape, self-giving, Christ-like love, which is the, the pinnacle of the Christian life. That's what we're aiming for. And in the middle are these beautiful words. Goodness refers to your character, having an excellent good character. Knowledge is understanding of God and his word. Self-control is the ability to be in control of your desires and passions rather than them controlling you. Perseverance is the grit or the stick-to-itiveness that we need in the Christian life to make it for the long haul. 
Godliness in this context is piety or reverence for God. Mutual affection, literally Philadelphia, which is what? Brotherly love. Getting along with your fellow Christian, loving them, caring for them. And finally, love, agape. Have you ever met a person who embodied these qualities? You see, you say, that's someone that I want to be like. That's someone I want to be like. And it doesn't happen overnight. Um, it takes determination and practice. It takes time. In verse, verse 8, Peter says, we have them in increasing measure, little by little by little. I chose... Um, well, think about anything else in your life that you have worked to get good at. Whether it's sewing a beautiful quilt or woodworking or perfecting a pie recipe or taking apart engines and putting them back together, hopefully. Or um, needlepoint or knitting or saxophone, or piano, anything that you do that you have to practice, how, how do you get good at that? Practice. <laughs> One word, practice. Now, you may learn from other people. You may read a few books or watch some videos, but at the end of the day, the only thing that is going to make you excellent at something is practice. And it's the same way as we follow Jesus. The sermon title I chose very carefully, which is, You Have Permission to Work at It. Because we do need to work, but work at it means it's little by little. It's something we practice. It's a habit. It's not a one-time Herculean effort. We work at it. We get better. And to me, that's comforting because when I look at my life, I don't see any huge dramatic change apart from salvation I don't see anything that's like whoa suddenly I became a perfect dad overnight we work at it so how are you working to grow in the Christian life how are you practicing these things it's going to be different for each person but there's a few essential things like um, prayer Reading scripture, solitude, reflection, worship, fellowship. These are things that are indispensable practices as we practice growing close to God. And let me share one um, very practical thing that we can all do to bring about change. Um, that is to look at the habits you have. A habit is something you do without thinking, habitually, automatically, like brushing your teeth or your routine in the morning. Um, and habits can be good or bad. If you have a good habit, that will automatically help you in your life. If you have a bad habit, it will lead you the other way. But um, we need to cultivate good habits of faith. Maybe you have been saying for a long time, I really should read scripture more. But if it never leaves the should phase, 
and it feels like just something that you never quite get around to, it will never become a habit. What if instead you said, okay, I'm going to read a psalm every night before bed. Or I'm going to read a gospel for seven minutes every morning with my coffee. And you did it no matter if you felt like it or if you had other things to do. You just said, I'm going to make this a habit. And do you know what happens? Before long, it becomes automatic. It becomes something you do that's a part of your life and it's a good habit. That's one example for how change happens in our lives. You probably already have habits in your lives that help you grow. What habits can you add or adopt or cultivate? Well, number three, um, so you can change, you must change. And number three, you'll be glad you did. Because sometimes we still, we still say to ourselves, is all that effort really worth it? Um, and the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, it's worth it. Did you know that there is a reward for spiritual growth? Beyond any, anything we can imagine. Um, now, I would argue that part of the reward is the life itself because it's truly a better way to live, to follow Jesus. It's more meaningful and joyful and um, it's just better. But there is also a reward. Look what it says in verses 10 through 11. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort, there's that word again, to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First, uh, there's actually two rewards here. There's the reward of feeling secure in your relationship with God. You've probably been through a season of life where you think, am I really saved? I don't know, the way I'm living lately, I, I wonder whether... Um, you know, have I committed the unpardonable sin or um, am I drifting far away from God? Guess what? You don't have to go through those mental gymnastics because as you obey God and work in your Christian life, you confirm your calling and election. You don't have to deal with the questions and the doubts. That's a reward. But the bigger reward is this. There is a welcome from Jesus a rich welcome for those who finish well. Jesus himself will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come into my kingdom. He says, A rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you want that? I want that. And I think for all of us, we need to hold the vision of that reality before our eyes every day. Because the Christian life is not just about feeling better now or doing better now or being a better person now. It's about pleasing 
Jesus who will someday, you will someday stand before him. And don't you want to hear him say, well done, well done. So you can change, you must change, and you'll be glad you did. You will not regret any step you take toward Jesus. You will not get to the end of your life and be glad that you watched more TV instead of reading your Bible. You will not be glad that you compromised with sin instead of getting real with God. You will not be glad that you pushed the spiritual cruise control button. But you will be glad for every effort, every ounce of effort you expend to grow in your faith. Right? And over it all and through it all is the grace of God. By grace you were called, by grace you have been saved, by grace you grow, and grace will lead you home. Amen.